Well, today in our gospel, we see our Lord in the desert, fasting for 40 days. And it is with this text that we, appropriately enough, begin our 40-day Lenten journey of prayer and penance. I'd just like to draw your attention to a very uh, terse but arresting statement here that we see in Mark. It says of our Lord, He remained in the desert for 40 days, tempted by Satan. Today I'd like to reflect on the nature of temptation in general, and in more particularly, uh, diabolical temptation. I'd also like to address the issue of habitual sin. And I'll do all this uh, by starting out with a story. And so we'll have to, for a moment, leave our Lord in the deserts of Palestine. And we'll come back to him at the end of the homily. But we'll leave him there for now. And we'll go down south to another desert area, to Egypt. And we'll have to skip ahead a few centuries to the 4th century. The 4th century was the golden age of Christian monasticism. Tens of thousands of men and women went out into the deserts of Egypt and they lived either as solitaries, as hermits, or they congregated together in groups in monastic communities. And there was uh, one such monk by the name of St. Macarius, and he was a solitary. He lived by himself in a particular region of the Egyptian desert, and below him was a community of monks, more towards the south, and a road went from his territory down to the territory of this community. And one day, Macarius was by the roadside when Satan came walking by. And uh, Satan was dressed in a, a very peculiar manner. He had a garment on made of cotton, and it was riddled with holes very strange kind of image. It had holes all over it. And hanging from each and within each of these holes was a little flask, a little container containing some sort of substance, uh, foodstuffs in fact, a kind of liquid or foods. And as Satan walks by, Micaiah says to him, good day. And Satan greets him and Macarius says, well, where are you headed? What are you up to? And, he, and Satan says, I'm going south to the monastic community to stir up the imaginations and the memories of the brothers. And Micaiah says, oh, okay, well, what, what is this funny garment that you're wearing? And Satan says, well, you see, I'm coming and I'm bringing tasty treats to the brothers. I'm bringing food. You see, each one of these flasks contains something that appeals to the appetite of the brothers. And I'll offer one of them one thing, and if he refuses that, I'll offer him something else. And if he refuses that, it's bound with this great variety to choose at least one of them. And so Micaiah greets Satan, and Satan parts and goes down south, and Micaiah waits upon the road until the devil comes back. And Micaiah says, good day to you. And Satan says, ah, what's good about it? And Micaiah says, what's the matter? Is there something wrong? And Satan says, well, I went down to this community of brothers, and none of them wanted to cooperate with me. I had no success. 
And so Micaiah says, really, none at all. And the devil says, well, I do have one friend there, and he is of some consolation to me. When I come, he changes like the wind, and he does pretty much anything I suggest to him. And so Micaiah says, really, well, what's his name? And Satan says, he's called Theophilus. And then he walks his way. And so Micaiah decides to go and visit these brothers as well. And so he comes to the community and all the brothers come out to meet him. And they're very excited because Micaiah had a great reputation. He was a famous ascetic. He was a famous hermit. And they come out with palm branches, each one hoping that it was to him that he, would, he was coming to visit. And Micaiah says, is there a man by the name of Theophilus among you? And they say, yes, there is. He lives over here. And so Micaiah goes, knocks on Theophilus' door, and Theophilus, Theophilus is very honored and receives him, shows him hospitality, they sit down together, and uh, Micaiah says, now Theophilus, is, is there anything that is troubling you? Do your, war, your thoughts war against you? And Theophilus says, up until now, Abba, everything goes well, by the grace of God and by your prayers. And... Micaiah says, are you sure? There's nothing troubling you, nothing bothering you. And Theophilus says, no, everything is fine, just fine. And Micaiah says, well, I have to confess to you that even though I'm a very old man and I have lived a monastic life for 70 years now, and I have a great reputation and all praise me, from my youth until this day, I have struggled with the spirit of lust. And... Theophilus says, Abba, I, I must confess, I too, I, I struggle with this as well. And Macarius goes, uh, proceeds forth and he continues to speak about other different spiritual struggles that he has. And uh, Theophilus agrees with each one as well. And so Macarius says, well, how late do you fast until? And he says, I fast until three o'clock every day. And Macarius says, Here's a suggestion. Why don't you fast until 6 o'clock every day and read from the gospel on a daily basis. And then when these thoughts that trouble you come into your hearts, with the eyes of your minds, do not look upon them, but instead look straight up and God will come to your help. And so Theophilus thanks him for his advice, and they part. Macarius goes back home to his hermitage, and lo and behold, as before, the devil comes, walking down south. And they greet each other, and so where are you heading? And the devil says, I'm heading to go stir up the memories of the brothers. So he goes, and Macarius waits, and the devil comes back, and he says, good day, sir. And the devil again, grumpy as all get out, says, ah, what's good about it? And Micaiah says, well, what's the matter? And the devil says, none of these brothers cooperates with me. I had a terrible time down there. And in fact, the one friend I had, he was the worst of them all. He gave me the most hard time out of them all. In fact, I, I'm not coming back there for a long time. I'm so frustrated. And so they part their ways and the brother walks on. And Micaiah gets on his knees and he praises and he glorifies God. And so we have this story that comes down to us in our tradition and we learn many things from it. 
The first thing that we learn can be noticed uh, in the beginning of the story when the devil, he's walking down this road like he owns Egypt. He's, he's walking around at quite a bit, uh, with quite a bit of freedom. But at the end of the story, we see Theophilus, this man, grow in holiness and righteousness and make real spiritual advancements. And so what we learn is that God allows the devil to have a certain amount of freedom, but only to the extent that it will be for our benefits, for our spiritual growth. Something else we learn, we see the humility and the compassion of Macarius towards Theophilus. And he identifies with him and he says, look, there's a kind of a, a weakness that I have as well. And you see, it's in that humility and in that charity, that care that Macarius takes for Theophilus, that there's a door of grace that opens up in uh, Theophilus's life. And God enters in and, and makes him better and draws him closer to himself. And what else do we learn? We see the devil, and the devil comes and he says, I'm going to stir up the thoughts of the brothers. Now what we learn from this is that really the devil is, first of all, he's not omniscient, he's finite, he's limited. He, he really doesn't know us like God knows us. He doesn't know us in, in, from the inside out. He knows us in an external manner, in an external fashion. And he uh, almost uh, performs an experiment on us. He sees what's going to work with us. Okay? And we see that uh, really he has only power not directly over our will and over our intellect. Those are in the innermost resources of our person and God alone has access to those things. The devil can only kind of manipulate some of our senses, our imagination possibly, our emotions. But God, with God's help, our free will is still free. And we can resist the devil. And God's grace works from the inside out. It accesses the very core of our being. And it gives us the strength to resist, in cooperation with our freedom, the strength to resist the temptations of the devil. Also, we learn about habitual sin. We have this figure of Theophilus who had been subject to this bad habit for quite some time. And uh, we, we see that he was tempted to hide his spiritual struggles. And that is a sure way to uh, ensure that the devil is going to beat us if we hide our struggles. And what we need to do, and what, uh, what Macarius got the afterwards to do eventually, was to, to confess his faults. And so we, we celebrate the sacrament of confession. And it's a very powerful tool to let the grace and the light of God into our lives. And I encourage us all this Lenten season to take advantage of confession. And uh, finally as well, we see how Macarius prescribes these kinds of remedies. He says, well, do X, Y, and Z and see if that works. He prescribes these remedies for Theophilus. And so when we go to our confessor, we should, we should regard our confessor as like a physician and we should be seeking remedies from him. And it's also very important if we're trying to beat a habit to stick to one confessor 
stick to one confessor who knows what you're going through so that he can keep track of you and keep tabs on your condition, your condition so that he can have an accurate diagnosis and he can prescribe the right remedies for you. You take them, you have to follow the prescription, and then you come back and you check in a few weeks later. And you take that kind of systematic approach to habitual sin and by God's grace you will overcome it. And so let us return now to the deserts where we left our Lord in Palestine. And we see that our Lord himself overcame the devil. Our Lord himself went through diabolical temptation just like all of us. Humankind from the beginning, from the Garden of Eden, was tempted by the devil. And our Lord, when he became a man, was subject to that same temptation. But he didn't become a man and subject himself to temptation just for the sake of showing solidarity with us, but so that we might have victory in him. You see, no matter what remedies, no matter what techniques, no matter what wisdom or prudence we use against the devil, ultimately, in the last analysis, it is only in Christ and in his victory that we have victory over Satan. This Lenten season, let us have confidence in our Lord and turn to Him and fight habitual sin and fight the devil.